On this episode of the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast, we wish you love and we wish you heaven. Joining me to talk about the lyrics to I Wish You Heaven, the third and final single released off of the Love Sexy album, is Aisha Staggers. Welcome to the show, Aisha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm glad to have a new guest on for this episode. I think uh, having new guests on kind of breathes new life into the show and offering new perspectives is what it's all about. So uh, as a first-time guest to the show, would you mind kind of giving the listeners a little bio about yourself or just talking about your relationship to Prince, how you kind of got connected to his music? Sure. I um, Some of the people in the Prince sphere might know me as a journalist. Um, I'm actually now a communications director for a nonprofit. I really came to knowing Prince's music um, with I Want to Be Your Lover. Um, I remember my parents playing that when I was very little. My father was a DJ at the time. And so, um, of course, I heard it, but it wasn't anything that I liked the song, but it wasn't anything that made me a huge fan. And then in 1982, I saw the video for 1999 and the video for Little Red Corvette. And, it, and those got my attention because at the time, it was very rare to see a black artist on MTV. You had to sit and watch for hours and hours until you saw one. And so that caught my attention. And um, I had become familiar with Jill Jones when I was six because I um, recognized her name from my Tina Marie albums in the liner notes. And so I made the connection and even you know that young, that naive thinking that the name Jill Jones, which is very common, couldn't be common. So I just assumed that they were the same person and I was right. But in 1984, when, when Dove's Cry came out, I actually first heard it by watching the video on MTV. And the just the opening guitar riff caught my attention to the point that I actually was reading a book and I looked up and was just kind of mesmerized. Um, and I'd never seen um, a person like this, a black male performer, especially, who was so free and, and just very limitless in terms of his expressions of manhood and personhood. And I really, um, at that point, became a fan. And my father, who I mentioned had been a DJ, brought me home the 12 inch of When Doves Cry. And that is where my um, love of Prince and his music began. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very, very uh, similar story to me, um, hearing some of his stuff prior, but really the Purple Rain album was where it all kind of clicked. Uh, I had loved a Little Red Corvette in 1999 and Delirious as well. But yeah, once once I saw the video for When Doves Cry and heard it on the radio, it's like, that's it. <laughs> this is this guy's doing something I've never seen before or heard before. All right. So as far as Love Sexy is concerned, were you a fan of the album when it first came out, Aisha? Oh, my God. I wanted that album so bad <laughs> when it came out. And um we had a few, like about a month or two in my household where I would like hold my breath, refuse to talk to my parents because they didn't want to buy me the album because of the cover. And um, we eventually came to a compromise where um, my parents would keep the cover and I could have the inside sleeve with the album. 
<laughs> that was the only way that I could get in. And at the time I was um, 13 years old, about 13. And um, it was just when I first played it, I loved it from start to finish. It's one of my favorite um, Prince albums um, for many reasons, because there's just such an uplift. Uh, uplifting sound to it. When you think about um, Sign of the Times, Sign of the Times was really a cornucopia of sounds. And some mm -hmm. of them were, some of them were kind of dark, but not dark in a way of um, like evil dark, just, you know, um, using a lot of the major chords and things like that. So it was very, it had a very kind of, I, for lack of a better word, husky kind of sound where Love Sexy was very light. It had a very light sound. And um, I really, I loved how the tracks actually grew into one another. I, I like the fact that he created an album that you actually have to listen to start to finish and, and that there is no break between them. I actually, because my father taught me how with Turntables got good at finding the silence and the breaks in between. But I really like that aspect of the album. And musically, it was different than what Prince had been doing in his other um, earlier albums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a, a unique album in his discography, I think, for a few different reasons. And, and the fact that it is so so light, as you mentioned, and also like bright sounding, yeah. it just... It's it was the thing that he needed to do post black album. Like he just had to take that one hundred and eighty degree turn, I think, uh, and put out something. He could have put out, you know, another sign of the times with a lot of, you know, eclectic sounds and in different um paths, like some that are a little darker, some that are a little lighter, some that are joyous, some that are talking about um the more difficult topics. But in this this album he tends to, for the most part, really focus more on the positivity which of course is the last song on the album there's a song called positivity but just the more positive aspects of life this song that we're going to be doing today i wish you heaven as i mentioned the third and last single released from the album it wasn't a pop chart success but it, it was top 20 on the r&b charts so it had some modest success there and it was a modest hit in europe and uh new zealand as well i looked at um you know the billboard charts there and it went top 30 top 20 depending on which chart so it had some moderate success depending on which charts you're looking at or what country you lived in united yeah. states though pop stations were had completely ignored this song it ignored the pop stations ignored most of this album except for alphabet street which is a shame pop r&b charts and radio stations and platforms and playlists could have added this i think in a heavy rotation it would have done well so it's a little bit of a shame, and I think a part of it has to do with just the controversy around the cover and just um, things that were not related to the music at all, unfortunately. Right. You know, my gauge at the time as a 13-year-old was Video Soul on um, BET. And so Video Soul had all of the Prince videos from this album in heavy rotation and on their own countdown like i wish you heaven was like top five at one point i'm not even sure if it was number one it might have been number one but it was like top five at one point um alphabet street had been a number one video on video so glam slam did well 
on video soul. And so at the time that was my gauge for it. So I wasn't even really, a, when other people say, you know, this was ignored and this is ignored. I'm like, well, in my atmosphere, it wasn't, it, right. you know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I think we really have to look at how we look at charts and consider a song a hit because we only really in this country go by the billboard hot 100 which is typically a um pop chart and they don't mm -hmm. you know pe like people will say oh prince's first number one was when doves cry no it's not it was i want to be your lover which was the number one on the um r&b chart so i think that how people gauge um what's a hit and what's not really depends on the perspective that you're coming from. And to see I Wish You Heaven, the video in constant rotation that I did, um, it was a very light, bright video. And um, I think uh, the images of him, Kat, Sheila E., Bonnie Boyer, were just really, were really great. And for, mm -hmm. and for me as a child of color, seeing all these people of color in one video around Prince was very, was very different experience too. Yeah, there, there were avenues to, to hear this music and see the videos if you had access to the shows, you had access to the stations, and you sought them out. Unfortunately, you know, in the late 80s, we didn't have internet radio. So if you didn't live within, um, you know, earshot of a, of a station that played you know, Prince's music from this era, you missed out. And you know, I didn't have Video Soul, I didn't have BET, none of that stuff growing up for me. So like my, my first exposure to, you know, um, I guess hip hop was Yo! MTV Raps. Like if Yo! MTV Raps had not come to MTV, I probably wouldn't have have near the awareness that I do today and, and, and love of that era of music it's because I just didn't have access to it. And same with, you know, it could be said for just about anybody in any um, place that they live or any community that they come from. It's all about access. It's all about what you're surrounded by kind of frames a lot of what, you know, you love and what you take with you as you grow up and right. doing this podcast really opened my eyes to that because from a, again, as you mentioned, pop chart perspective, it did not chart and it, and it wasn't successful on the pop charts. The video was rarely played on MTV for my exposure, right. but that doesn't mean people didn't hear it, didn't know it, didn't love it. It just didn't resonate or didn't cross over, I guess, on those yeah. on those platforms. And, and those pop stations were not playing it, unfortunately. You had to find it somewhere else. Let me tell you, if this video would come on um, Video Soul, I would go and sit and watch because it would come on at nine o'clock. I watched from nine to twelve, and then it repeated again at like three a.m. And I would set my alarm clock to wake up to watch it, even though I already had it recorded. So that was just <laughs> the, that was just like the time for me. And so I remember doing that with this video specifically, and um, a few a few others. Mm -hmm. It's a short and sweet song. So the album version is less than three minutes in length. Right. And then we're going to we're going to be spending most of our time talking about the album version, which was also then in turn the single version and the video version. They're all basically the same version. But there is a there is a 12 inch version that is over 10 minutes long. It's basically a remix with some additional lyrics that was broken up into parts one, two and three. 
Um, I do want to just touch on that a little bit towards the end of the episode, but we are going to mainly focus on the version that most people know and love and hold dear to their hearts, and that's the album and single versions. Are you aware of any, have you listened to any versions of this song that Prince did live during the Love Sexy tour? Yes, I've actually seen um, a video of the Love Sexy tour live. And so I I do like the version that he does on the um on the tour. I actually like all the versions of this song, I have to be honest, because I think when um you talk about a song that is it's not just a song, but it's also like a, a wish for humanity um and, and humankind. And what is the kindest thing you can wish for someone, you know. We're always quick to say, oh, I want this person to go to hell. But how many times do you hear a person say to another person, well, I hope you go to heaven. Yeah, I wish you heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, it's it's interesting you mentioned that or at least um, at least a good segue, because I was going to say for me, this song, the lyrics kind of show me a, a little bit of Prince's vulnerability. Uh, it, it seems like he has expressing some concern or doubts or at least some remorse or possibly um and he's like a a reflective mood potentially as well Mm -hmm. these are some of the the things that i get out of listening to the song it just seems like he's looking at an event in his life or a relationship in his life after taking a few steps back like he's not really in it anymore he's had a chance to reflect on it and look at how it shaped him how it's affected him and how does he feel about it now? He has some comments in the lyrics that we'll go through very shortly that also kind of give him, give us the listener a little bit of his opinion on the state of the world too. Right. I think he was doing some introspection after the Black Album. I see the Black Album and Love Sexy really two sides of the same coin and the coin being Prince. Um, and that taking that step back probably looking at himself and in in the times which he didn't necessarily show the people around him or the people who worked with him the level of compassion that he felt he should have and that this song is an expression of that it's almost like saying you know what I wish I had looked at you differently have been more humane in my treatment of you and I'm I'm sorry I and so the only thing that I can do it's like to serve with love the lyrics say um what more can I do at some point what more can he do than to wish you something um that was good yeah I like that and the thing about these lyrics is as you've kind of suggested they don't have to simply be interpreted as a message to a past love or past lover um that that's you know one common way to want to look at the lyrics but it can be applied i mean let's go through the lyrics if you don't mind and we'll see maybe some opportunities to kind of reinterpret or look at a different angle with them So the first verse of the song, I mean, there's, again, there's very, actually very few lyrics of this song. 
a couple verses in a chorus that's repeated a few times, but then that's it in the song proper, like the seven inch version or album version. Doubts of our conviction follow where we go. And when the world's compassion ceases, still I know. For your every touch, I thank you so much. For your every kiss. So that's what I would consider the first verse or first grouping of lyrics. So Aisha, what um, what do you see here that you like about this first for opening verse, and maybe want to touch on a little bit? I like the way it opens with the doubts of our conviction follow where we go. Um, you see a lot of that in in the world, particularly it's it's um, a sign of him kind of growing up a little bit, because we start to look at how we think, what our beliefs are, what our values and mores are. And then we look at the world and there's so much in the world that counters that, 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 that objects to those things that we find to be grounding in ourselves. Um, like you can even look at the news today and you, you see that people hold a belief for peace, but the world is not such a peaceful place. And so um, I think that is one way of interpreting those, those lyrics, mm -hmm. those particular first two lines. But when he gets to the point about for your every touch, then where he gets to the part of I wish you love, I wish you heaven, I think it it can be um, believed as something that's romantic and intimate, but it can also be a larger message of love and hope for uh, the world and, and for the people in it. I, I think he was at a point where he was really looking at where he was with the Black Album and here he wanted to create from a place of love. And this song is actually a manifestation of that. No, I like that. I like that a lot. I get the same thing for the most part in this song. There's just a few aspects of this verse that at times make me wonder, like, is he looking at the world from a, like his rose color, have his rose colored glasses been darkened in some way? When he says things like when the world's compassion ceases <laughs> so when i hear that it makes me wonder like is has he seen things in his life and has does he have more of a realistic viewpoint on humanity and and the state of the world i mean he talked a bit about that on sign of the times song uh he touches a little bit on it here on dance on you know he brings then some mm -hmm. some kind of like state of the world and what's what's up with our society type of lyrics on dance on it just makes me wonder a line like when the world's compassion ceases, it seems a bit like he's feeling like maybe the world has let him down a little bit or humanity has let him down a little bit. It's like when yeah. this happened, still I know, even though there might be stuff going on around us that I don't like, uh, there's too much negativity in the world, there's maybe too much violence poverty etc cetera, etc cetera, and people just don't seem to love each other anymore in the way that in his mind they used to or at least they should Man. for this i know your every touch and your every kiss i want to thank you for that so even though this might be happening around us we had a relationship we had a connection uh, and at some point we kissed we touched we did you know we connected in a way that maybe more people should in life and he wanted to thank, seems like he wants to thank that person for that time that they spent together, uh, no matter how long it might have been. Yeah, it's also a retrospective, right? Because think about um, where he was at, the at that time in his life. Think about all the people who left. Mm 
his either his employer, his um, you know, his space, and the people who were were giving signs that they were going to leave, right? And I think um, that line, when the world's compassion ceases, is it's a double entendre, which we know that Prince is very good for. So of course, he's talking about the world, but also also he's talking about his own little world, feeling like he's alone and the people that he had around him when he started out didn't love him anymore. And, and you know, that taking that internally and then trying to exist in a place where the world also expects um, an expression of him on that. And he's not going to give an interview. So this is how he's going to talk about this particular aspect of what's going on in his life at the time. Yeah. And even the line, the opening line, doubts of our conviction follow where we go. You can look at that as being like maybe external doubt. So people who are judging Prince, maybe judging his intentions, judging like the music that he's putting out as people have done in the past and then for him to make that 180 degree turn from darkness to light on this album i wonder if he was even prophesizing a little bit that people would doubt his intentions here like oh this is the guy who wrote you know erotic city and this is the guy who says you know uh, he wants to fuck you so bad it hurts it hurts on let's pretend we're married but also now he's all about god so i I wonder if he's even thinking that this was going to happen. Like people were going to doubt his uh, intentions here on Love Sexy being a more spiritual, uh, taking a more spiritual angle. Right. And there really is a more flat bottom line to it. I am working with Alan Leeds on getting his book published about James Brown. The, one of the things that we discussed was that, you know, Prince was starting to have doubts about himself as a musician because there was this rise of hip hop and he really at the time could not understand why this was, you know, getting to be so big. And then actually what he considered actual musicians like himself having to struggle. And so he had a lot of self-doubt, especially going into the creation of the Black album. And so, um, and then a reporter wrote an article with the title is Prince Still Funky, you know? And so, you know, doubts of our conviction, that was a a doubt that he was griping with at that time when that song was written. Yeah, bringing up a good point about the, also the aspect of self-doubt that could be permeating into the, that line itself. So again, another potential alternate meaning, double meaning to that, to that line, Uh, doubt externally and also some self-doubt going on here. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, kind of bring it all back then after these two lines about doubt of conviction and when the world compassion ceases, every touch and every kiss. So it's, for me, it's almost like he's like some sort of relationship has just ended, whether it's a personal or romantic or both right. or just a combination. And as you've already mentioned, and I, I just want to uh, reiterate my agreement in, in how I think that this song is kind of like a little bit of a, I don't know, a, Uh, a letter to past associates past loves or maybe uh, an olive branch of sorts you know again he's not going to do interviews that much so he's not going to be able to and also i think prince being a proud man um, i don't know how often he would reach out to somebody who he hasn't really talked to in a few years but feel like he's done this before where he's instead of 
calling them up on the phone and speaking to them like, here, I just wrote a song for you instead. Yeah. And um, also, too, at this time, there's there's the other thought you have to think of. He's working on writing um, Graffiti Bridge. So he's also, he's extended, he's working up to extending that olive branch to more yeah. same the time to kind of open the door for them to come back in the fold. And so I think there, there are so many lenses through which this song could be viewed in the eyes of so many different people who were in and around Prince. Yeah. Thanking, thanking the, these people in his life for any love and kindness that they've shown him in the past and right. in their time together, however long that was. So yeah. that that's kind of what makes the song meaningful. I think to anybody who enjoys it is we've all experienced that, you know, uh, loss. And sometimes you lose touch with people that you really cared about and you really loved. Um, whether it's a personal or a romantic relationship and this is a kind of a, a, a nice way of of looking at how you can still think fondly of those people think fondly of your time together and people say i wish you well prince takes that a different angle with this song i wish you heaven i wish you love i wish you heaven he repeats that twice in the chorus you love i wish you heaven it's also a great kiss off right because for people who um do doubt him and do you know wonder you know has prince lost it or whatever it's kind of like you know what rap it's the opposite of um billy jack bitch right it's it's kind of like sure you think what you do but i wish you love i wish you heaven and um you know it's like yeah i'm not going to go in that direction yeah, it's definitely taking the high road for sure. Yeah. Okay, so then um, anything else you want to mention with the chorus? I mean, the chorus is just, like I said, I wish you love, I wish you heaven. I, I do like the call back to heaven because it does make sense in the concept, the in the overarching uh, concept of love sexy to talk about heaven explicitly instead of trying to tiptoe around it. Right. Um, you know, so, I, you know, spiritual fulfillment and embracing God, that's... Th- that's the theme, the main themes of Love Sexy. And so for him to talk about heaven explicitly in the chorus and call the song that, it just fits in line with with what he was trying to project with this record, I think. Yeah. And musically, that um, chorus is also a great transition from the verse. It's almost seamless. Like, you know, in traditional songs, you can tell the um, verse from the chorus chorus from the bridge etc but this one they kind of make this it makes this seamless transition and then pops right into the next verse um and i think it, it really flows lyrically yeah and actually you know when i read the lyrics on the first verse i didn't read it exactly how prince sings it so he'll say for your every touch i pause thank you so much for your every kiss i then he says, I wish you love, I wish you heaven. So he, instead of it being for every, for your every touch, comma, I thank you so much. He does, you know, he, he takes the line, that line, I thank you so much, or I wish you love, and he'll pause in an unexpected location just for that. Right. Just want to make sure that's clear. When I read it, I read it more like how you would speak it, not necessarily how you would sing it. Still love 
Okay, so then moving on to the second verse of the song, very short. All he says here is, if I see 11, you can say it's seven. Still, I wish you heaven. Then going right into the chorus, I wish you love, I wish you heaven, I wish you heaven. Okay, so the second verse, again, as I mentioned, is really short. I mean, the things that kind of call out to me, again, is the use of the word and the number seven. <laughs> this, I mean, again, somebody could write an entire book or do an entire thread on Twitter, for example, of all of the instances where Prince uses seven in his lyrics. Um, and this is this would be yet another example. I don't know if the seven here has a lot of significance other than just he wanted to, you know, bring it up and put that in the, another song. But what I think he's saying here, and you can tell me if I'm on track, Aisha, is if I, it just feels like he's just referencing, we're talking about, um, you know, differences in opinion and how maybe letting, not letting those differences of opinion, you know, change your opinion of that person. Like you can have minor arguments or minor disagreements, but you could still wish them love and wish them heaven and wish them well, or however you want to describe it. Is that kind of what you get from this verse? I get a lot of things from this verse first. Okay, let's seven, hear it. <laughs> seven, and 11, 7 and 11 appear a lot in the Bible as divine numbers. So that, of course, goes along with this, this song. However, I do know from interviewing Andre Simone that Prince had this, he really had this admiration for Andre's brothers, right? One brother in particular. Um, and the, the, the thought that comes to my mind with the number seven and 11 is also playing dice, which Prince mm. did do. And, um, you know, it's like, I see 11 there, but you're calling it seven. It, it's <laughs> kind of, it's, um, so I, I get that too. And that, that he's drawing from that experience as, as well. And um, again, this song is full of double entendre. So I think that he intended the dual meaning. Yeah, thanks. I hadn't I hadn't thought of that, so appreciate you bringing that up. That was key. Um, so yeah, so the numbers that he picked don't feel random. I no. mean, I feel like he picked those numbers for a reason. But at the end of the day, I think what he's trying to say still is, you know, different again differences in opinion. You can still have those arguments. You can still disagree at times. And maybe we disagreed. Maybe we didn't end our relationship, you know, uh, on a on a real good note. But I still wish you heaven. I wish yeah, you love, and, and I also, wish you. Also, it also brings it back to um, having a worldly view of this song. Is that you know I can see the world this way through my eyes, through my experiences. You see it another way through your eyes, based upon your lived experiences. But you know, I still don't hold that against you your experiences are your experiences and i still can wish you love mm -hmm. um despite our disagreements yeah yeah that's to me that's the key takeaway as well from this verse so in terms of talking about lyrics for the song you got a bridge then that's just a lot of you know la 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 la's and do to do's and then he goes back into the basically the line i wish you heaven gets repeated multiple times towards the end of the song but again as i mentioned it's a two minute and 45 43 second song so there isn't a lot of even instrumental pieces too it's it's about half of it is lyrics and about half of it is music with some repeats of the chorus 
So before we move on to me just talking a, a little bit about the 12-inch lyrics, uh, do you have anything else you wanted to mention about the song itself as you find it on the album, Aisha? No, but but to go to the ending, um, when it repeats, I wish you have an in um, various voices in various tones. Um, one of the things that comes clear to me, at least I can hear it, is the we wish you heaven part that comes through in that montage of I wish you heavens at the end. And um, it's I, I think it was evident that he was trying to have his whole band kind of take over this, um, take this spiritual journey with him. And it was evident in terms of the love sex he tours, because I think I watched a lot of his tours and a lot of his tours musically are very tight. Um, but I think there was there was something spiritually um, between all the musicians, some kind of spiritual connection that they all really had that was just so tight for that particular tour. Um, I can't describe it. <laughs> um, I. And I don't know what it was because, of course, I wasn't there. But um, from what I can gather, he had been really trying to um, have people walk this path with him. Uh, I like how you, so that just by luck that you mentioned him wanting or thinking that his band really at this point in his career, like he had the band that he wanted to take this journey with him on because in the 12 inch lyrics as we go through it there'll be a couple comments or a couple call outs to his band basically being amazing <laughs> yeah and remember uh, this is the first band that he called the nude power generation yeah yeah it wouldn't be on record yet but it, um but yeah he was calling it that uh unofficially okay so Moving on then to the 12-inch version, which I mentioned is a solid 10 minutes long, divided up into three parts, but it's all one long song. It's just there's like three kind of distinct parts. The first part is the song that we already heard, but with different music behind it, slightly different music. It still sounds more or less like the same thing, but it's a remix. Um, so I'm not going to go through those lyrics again, but then when it moves on to part two, uh, some of the lines that Prince says here in part two. <clears throat> We're going to go, I'll read them all, but we'll just touch on whatever is worth touching. Cool. Cool. This is so cool. Tell me who in this house know about sweetie heaven. We do. Fish tail. I said, really? Really? If you know about love, say yeah. 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 If you want to go to heaven, say oh yeah. Oh yeah. If anybody in the house want to sing. says excellent this is excellent cool this is so cool tell me who in this house know about sweet heaven then you hear in the background we do fishtail i said really really if you know how to love say yeah yeah if you want to go to heaven say oh yeah oh yeah so it's pretty clear he here a little he's, doing, in there. he's calling back housequake he wants to repurpose housequake 
for his uh, his latest endeavor, which is love sexy and talking about heaven. So basically, just switching out some of the the lines to make it more spiritual sounding, because Housequake was like a party song. Prince is doing some rapping here, and he, he continues on. If anybody in the house want to sing, here's a chance to do your thing. Everybody, everybody, get ready, y'all. Sing. Heaven, yeah. Heaven, yeah. Heaven, sugar baby. Heaven, yeah. Hold my hand. I'm strong with you. When you're a quality band, I adore all of you. The way we love is what brought us together. Dreams of above, the water's much wetter. When words of compassion cease to exist, my band don't see me, still I get a kiss. The heavens above, the heavens above, everybody sing for the heavens above. So in this little section here, he mentions his band a couple times. When you're a quality band, mm-hmm. um, and also he says, my band don't see me, still get a kiss. So I think he's, again, he's calling out his, I think he's calling out his band. He's basically saying like, and also hold my hand, I'm strong with you. So he's feeling like strength in numbers, I think, a little bit. And as you kind of alluded to, he wanted people to join him on this journey. And specifically, for sure, his band. Uh, he, he, he wa- I think he wanted to surround himself on this journey, especially and on this tour as well, with people who he felt were on the same page as him spiritually, right. or at least were on that or willing to, to you know, put it in, put in the work with him. And, and try to go there. And I don't think he wanted the negative energy on stage, like ah, you know, Prince is on some other shit. You know, yeah. none of that. He he wanted people on stage with him, I think, and in this band that could get behind him and get behind his message. Well, but I he, think you see the difference because for the most part, this is the same band from Sign of the Times, right? So I think in that era, it was more of a utility for him to really help carry him through this tour part and to start to blend with people and by love sexy he felt that they were really all in the same space together of one mind of one body of one soul and moving as one together i also don't want to overlook that call out of fishtail it's it um because remember there's the symbol that you always see on the back of people's cars and things and and it churches is a is the fish so it also that is also him touching on the spiritual part of faith and belief Mm -hmm. yeah thanks for bringing that up because he says it right after tell me who in this house know about sweet heaven fishtail i said really really so yeah definitely worth uh mentioning and calling out there we wanted to we could slam all comers slam all comers sheila had a quiet hit a long note What else does he say here? If we wanted to, we could slam all comers. Slam all comers. Sheila, yeah. Have the choir hit a long note. Have the choir hit a long note. And you hear the background. Heaven. Yeah, say hello to my little friend, the blue angel. 
<laughs> oh my god look at my guitar <laughs> so okay anybody who's familiar with pop culture and films in general will know the say hello to my little friend right. uh, being from scarface the brian de palma film from early 80s i forget what year maybe 81 and i believe the reference to blue angel again is just a reference to like one another one of his cloud guitars right yeah um i think where he goes with that particular part of the song i and this also it, it's more of a complex lyric than um people people think in one way he does mean it literally why would you slam people coming toward god this is um kind of like what i wrote about in an article i wrote about prince the um profound and the profane where he's got that there's this inner struggle that goes on throughout this album between sexuality and spirituality and um i always took that line to mean that he he, he can't he can't have the two ex it's he struggles with the two existing in one space mm -hmm. and um that there are times where we, we we've seen it in around the world in a day on that album in um temptation and things like that where it's where sexual pleasure is is in his mind when God comes, it's viewed as bad. So I wonder if he had any kind of meaning in that direction on those lines. Could be. Yeah, because just on the surface, it looks like he's just saying, like, it's almost like a brag. Like, yeah, exactly. The, our, my band's the best, and we could basically kick your ass. Yeah. And, um, you know, this. this is like, one of the many times where Prince mentions his guitar in a song. And I think one of the things that comes to light is that, you know, and, and that we've known that we know about the song guitar, but his profound love for his instruments isn't so much that he's in love with instruments. The instrument is an extension of himself. And sure. I think that yeah. he's introducing the audience, the listener to this extension of himself. I like that. That works for for me too, another way of of looking at that line, not just like you know the instruments that he uses, essentially because he's always used his music as ways to express himself, and that's as we kind of talked about. Instead of like writing a, a memoir, I mean, eventually he decided he was going to do that, but it was many many years down the road, right. and very few interviews. Like again, I use my music to communicate. You want to know about me listen to my music and so it makes sense for that not just to be you know a pen and paper or pencil and paper but also through his guitar through uh you know piano or what other you know bass drums whatever instrument he was choosing to use to express himself so yeah makes sense to me Then we move on to part three of the the 10 minute 12 inch version of the song and this is where prince takes on a a new a new old persona i think to me it sounds like he's taking on or taking back 
the Jamie Starr voice, voice that he has had done in the past in the early 80s. We really hadn't heard much of that by 1988. He kind of moved on to Camille when he wanted to, you know, express his um, his musicality and his his lyricism, but coming from a different side of himself. He was using Camille more. So Jamie Starr seemed to be taking a back seat, and also with um, the dissolution of his friendship with Morris Day and no longer recording music for the time, he wasn't really using this in as a as a proxy for you know another part of his personality and his writing technique. But it sounds to me like he's taking back the Jamie Starr vocals approach in these last section of the song. Um, Danny comments about that. Do you think I'm off base on that, Aisha? Um, you know, I think I always I've always looked at the Jamie Starr persona as um, his producing persona more than yeah. um, the performance. When I see the when I hear that voice, it's it it goes back to the interview that I did with um, Andre Simone, and that really is him imitating because he loved. 70s black exploitation films. He loved them. And so, you know, it, it's taking it back to that sound of, of the pimp that played the role in um, those movies. If you ever really want to see where he gets it from, watch the movie The Mac. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. where it comes from. But I also think that it, I agree with what you said. Um, he, didn't have that outlet for the Morris Day character. Because remember, the more the character that Morris Day plays was really just an extension of of Prince. It was a, it was something that Prince created that he knew himself he couldn't be because he had these aspirations to be seen as not just one type of artist. And so Morris Day really leaned into the funk aspect. And so that character, that persona that he wrote all those songs in in that voice were for that persona that Morris was going to take on. And so I think um, whenever I whenever I hear him use that, I, I laugh at the fact that I'm like, okay, this is where he would probably have Morris come in had they still been friends mm-hmm. at that time. So yeah, I, I think it was it's it was and like I said earlier in our discussion of this song, he's he was about to um, extend that branch, that olive branch, so that they could look into doing the movie Graffiti Bridge. Right. Yeah, exactly. Du- actually film Graffiti Bridge the next year. Yeah. It's like he's dusting off an old friend a little mm-hmm. bit. Because in this in this section of the lyrics, they they the themes take a bit of a turn too. Like he'd been real spiritual about everything up to this point. But now he's just kind of you know, bragging a bit, and he's talking about um, his, his basically his music ability, and and he throws in some insults in there, you know. And so what what the lines are? Take this beat, I don't mind. I got plenty others, and they're so fine. I said, take this beat, I don't mind. I got plenty others, and they're so fine. Take my coffee, don't you touch my cream. Make me holler, make me scream. Don't want it. Take this beat. 
sister ugly. That's the truth. She pees in the backyard, sleep on the roof. Take this beat, you know you need it. I give you a white dove. Why didn't you feed it? I gave you sweet love. You put it in the corner. Gave you candy. You say you don't want it. And he repeats more of the lines about take this beat, I don't mind. I got plenty others. Then he says, teal blue overcoat on my back, 67 T-bird, heart attack, got a peace sign, sneakers, pleated slacks, don't fuck with me, I'll slap your ass. <laughs> so he's yeah, really going hard and different in a different direction, I think. Yeah, it, it's kind of like he was in that mode, that love sexy mode, and then he's like, I gotta pop back to the black album for just a second. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's fun. I mean, who I, I am. Yeah, this is, he's still... Prince at the end of the day, um, and this is still a part of his personality, a part of who he is, a part of his of his music. At least, it's still in 1988. I mean, he wouldn't say something like, you know, "Don't fuck with me" uh, in 2001, but in 1988, yeah, you know, he's still still dropping f bomb here and there. Um, <laughs> it's, it's no thing. And then for him to call out the call out the 67 T bird that. To me, just reminds me of the line in Alphabet Street, of course, 67, 60, right. or 66, 67. Well, that was the whole aesthetic at the time, right? Because he brought mm-hmm. the car on tour as a prop, or or they built one, I believe it was the actual car. But um, yeah, the the 67 T-Bird, the, the turquoise overcoat, guitar, all of that, the polka dots, all of that was the aesthetic of that time. And so he... Um, not only incorporated it into his music, but he also incorporated it into his stage show. And again, this is just, these lyrics don't really have Oh, then he finally says, Gilbert, get the keys. You're going to have to drive. I can't. Let's get out of here. And that's kind of how the song ends. So these lines don't really have anything to do with the song, I Wish You Heaven, necessarily, as far as like what we've been talking about this whole time. But I just think they're, again, fun and a bit of a callback to, you know, the Jamie Star persona, the Jamie Star attitude, throwing in some jokes um you know some just some of the stuff that he had been doing but kind of abandoned for a little bit yeah and maybe some black album stuff you know it was, it's all it's been less than a year since he recorded most of the black album so it's not like that was ancient history from a time perspective i mean he was trying to put some distance and some time between him and that album but you know like i said he was still prince at the end of the day and if- if anyone's ever recorded a song, you know, the song that you hear at the end is not what was worked on in the studio. And, and sometimes he just took these songs to wherever he thought they could go. 
and then he would make the edits afterwards. So this might have been just one long jam session, and it's like let's just see what we did with it, you know. And yeah. um, at the end, when it came time to do the album, he thought, well, I'd like to cut it here. Yeah. But that was fun, and maybe yeah. we'll have a use for it at another time, which becomes the twelve inch. Yeah, very likely, because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have really thematically fit to put all that in on the album itself. So it wouldn't have fit in with the rest of the album. No, I mean he because when you think about it, what the next song on the album is, which is Positivity, he <laughs> he really went into a negative, almost a negative place, right at the yeah. end of this song that's so uplifting, and then he's going to talk about positivity. I think not. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was it was the smart decision. He had to do it. Um, okay, so that brings us to the end. Aisha, do you have any um, final thoughts on the song or anything you had we hadn't touched on yet that you wanted to bring up at all about the no, song? No, I just I just think that um, each time you listen to a Prince song, one of the most thrilling things is when you can listen to it with the ears you had at the time it was released. So whenever I hear love sexy i wish you heaven from the love sexy album i'm listening to it in my 13 year old ears not the ears in my you know my 40 year old ears so mm -hmm. i still have the same wonder and amazement that i did at that time of the compositions of the songs you know the the chord changes every aspect of every song i hear it you know through those ears well, words of wisdom. I think a lot of us could probably stand to listen to our favorite songs and favorite artists using the ears that maybe caused us to love that artist in the first place instead of maybe a little more jaded as we get older or more sophisticated even. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a simple time when you're a kid and if you loved it when you were a kid, there's no reason to not love it when you're an adult. Unless, of course, it's problematic, then <laughs> you have a different reason. But that's not this album. That's not this song. Yeah, I think um, sometimes people take things so seriously now, particularly in the aftermath of his death, that they forget the fun part of listening to Prince. And if if it wasn't fun for him, he wouldn't have done it. And that's the part you have to remember about all of this and the inter and the, even the interactions with other people who love Prince is that um, there should be a fun aspect of his music that makes you just, you know, happy every time you every time you hear it, even when you talk about it. Yeah, and thank you for for that message. Um, I think we'll probably close out on that. I appreciate that. It's a great way to go out. So, Aisha, where can people find you and maybe what you're up to? Well, it's not really Prince-related. It's more so politics-related, but every uh, Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Jill Jones and I do a talk show called State of Things with Aisha and Jill. It's a podcast. Um, it's through the Dr. Vibe Show. So if you go to thedrvibeshow.com, you'll be able to um, follow it. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at Aisha, A-I-S-H-A, Staggers, S-T-A-G-G-E-R-S, on Twitter. Um, I'm usually there. Uh, I have other social media, but I don't keep up with it as well as I keep up with 
Twitter. And so, yeah, if you have time, join Jill and I this Saturday because it's going to be a great conversation. Well, Aisha and Jill together sounds like a winning combination to me, even if you're talking about, you could talk about, I don't know, anything, and I'd probably listen to that. It sounds, <laughs> sounds fascinating. So thank you so much for being on the episode. I really greatly appreciate you joining me on this discussion of I Wish You Heaven. So thanks again. Thank you for having me. This has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenniger. You can find the show, Press Rewind Pod, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I've got a Discord, so if you enjoy using that platform for discussions, you can find a link to that in show notes and on my social media pages as well. And until next time, thank you very much and goodbye.